Hey everyone, it's Dario Kristen with AfterBuzz TV. Did you know that TrueCar.com is changing car buying experiences forever? Yes, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Although, some features are not available in all states. But it's okay. In the first three months of this year, over 126,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. TrueCar users save an average of $3,078 off of MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these easy steps. It's just three of them. First, you go to TrueCar.com and find out what other people pay for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. The third step is so simple. Just print out your true savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience overall. Remember, everyday TrueCar users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save time, save your money, and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com. Tuning in to the online broadcast network, AfterBuzz TV. Over 20 million weekly downloads from over 200 countries and your number one source in after-show entertainment. AfterBuzz TV, the destination for TV superfans. Producing aftershows for over 300 of your favorite TV shows. Interviewing celebrities and showrunners. And bringing you behind-the-scenes exclusives. All thanks to E! Entertainment's Maria Menounos, producer Kevin Undergaro, and internet leader Akamai. Now, let the buzz begin! Well, welcome everybody to another AfterBuzz TV after show for your new favorite show, The Intruders. Just Intruders. Just, just intruder. I keep making the same mistake whenever I tell them. I'm like, yeah. I'm doing the intruder show. No, it's intruders. intruders. Hashtag intruders. Uh, anyway, I'm your host for the evening, Anna Koppel, and sitting next to me is my orphan black co-host and real life friend. Look at that. Will Link. How's it going? Yeah. It's good to be doing another show with you. I know. I'm so excited. I'm enjoying the uh, the smooth jazz. The smooth jazz. This is something I usually just do in private, it, but uh, we listen to this. We, listen, we don't need to know about your personal life. So well, uh, we just, uh, overall first impressions. This is a very interesting show. Uh, it's also a show that's clearly going to play its cards close to its chest, I think, for a while. Like, this episode felt like a... a, a a slow burn of an episode. I feel like it was introducing a lot of ideas out there that I'm assuming in the following weeks will be paying off. But uh, I'm, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. There's a lot of unpacking, yes. I feel. Uh, and as it was doing that, uh, folks, as you're following along with this with this after shows, we're trying to figure it out ourselves. Uh, we noticed some themes, and maybe you did too, um, and those were birthdays, fire, yeah, the number nine, Overall death. Yes. Death by bathtubs. Yes. And dilated pupils. So as we talk about it and as it comes up, maybe play a drinking game or not because we don't want to be responsible. For Every it. time someone's pupils go dilated, you take a, take a take shot. Take a shot, yeah. Um, you know, it's funny you bring up death. And the show is – the, the showrunner is uh, Glenn Morgan who did – worked on the X-Files. And he also does the Final Destination movies. So he is clearly death obsessed. There is a there's a death obsession that he must have. There, he worked on the X Files, and did you notice the little X Files shout out? There was a great uh, towards the end of the episode when uh, Shepard goes to uh, Oz's little conspiracy theory home. There, he says, "What? No, I want to believe." Pro poster. Yeah, I thought yeah, that was that was I a nice that was little great. touch. So, I that was nice. so uh, there's also Bill Anderson keeps showing up. So we want to. 
everybody pay attention. So this is like, this is just for you to be following along, folks, uh, as we're we're sort of figuring this out ourselves. Bill Anderson, a uh, acoustic engineering professor. Yes. What does an acoustic engineering professor do? Well, apparently he knows a lot about pipe organs in Europe. And was it the Vatican? Well, he said cathedrals in Europe, so... It's mm-hmm. got to be, That's... yeah. An interesting profession. Yes. One that I, I would not necessarily venture into. Yeah, I don't know how one gets into that profession or interested in. But I'm excited to be doing this show. Another BBC America show for us. And uh, I, I like the idea of a show about people. Because kind of like Glenn Morgan, I have a little death. Like, I have a, I have a massive fear of death. So... A show about immortality interests me, and the idea of people pursuing immortality very much interests me. Although I don't know necessarily the mechanics of how they're going about it just yet. I don't know. Well, we'll fl- we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out as we go. Okay, so we start out in Barstow in 1990. Yes, and it's Donna's birthday. Donna, not Donna. Yeah. Um, so, so it's her birthday. Uh, they have some flickering, and this is one of the. Two of the themes, birthdays and fire. They're very close on the, like, the flickering candles. You know, it, it, seeing the opening, the opening shot was, like, them pushing in on her, getting ready to blow out her birthday candles or whatever. And, you know, a birthday could be kind of creepy when shot the right way because they're coming in and, like you said, the fire's glowing into her face and... And it was, it was, it set a real mood right away for the show. Well, and I, I think, is it, I don't think I'm alone in that, you know, every every year, every time it's my birthday, you know, you think about your mortality. It's yeah. another year. I'm another year older. Mm. What am I doing this year? What did I do last year? Oh, my God, I'm going to die soon. You know? Am <laughs> I am I alone in this? Is this- <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's, it, the older I get, the more I, I think of these things. Sure. The more I think, what what am I doing with my life? And what what Donna was doing with her life that night. Well, what Donna was doing with her life that night is she was looking at her yearbook and looking specifically at Gary Fisher. Gary Fisher. Also, Jack was also in. Jack Whelan was in that photo, too. Oh. Yeah. So both two of our main male leads. They looked like they were the high school football stars or, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Were either of them number nine, did you notice? I did not notice. One but- was 18. That's something to go back and look for. Yeah, yeah, that's okay. definitely. This is this is one of those shows you have to watch several times to catch everything, which I like. I like that some layering there. Uh, so then, you know, a couple of gentlemen, shall we say, yes. visit her in the night, and the those gentlemen. Um, one is James Frain, regular on the show. He's playing the character Richard Shepard. And the other one was played by Robert Forster, who's the great character actor. Mm-hmm. He was nominated for an Oscar for Jackie Brown. He was in the last season of Breaking Bad in a great episode. So, you know, we only saw him in this scene in this episode. But I got to imagine you cast a recognizable face. That character will be coming back. Does it say on IMDb what his character name is? It says that his name is also uh, Shepard, Frank Shepard. Now, at first I thought maybe these two men are related because I saw that in the thing. Maybe it's a father-son. Maybe he's teaching him the, the business of this. But then I, I, I think what they said to Donna, because they basically they come in and they kind of assault her, basically. And uh, Robert Forster's character says, uh, it's a secret you gave us. We're here to give it back to you. Just as you asked all those years ago, we're just here to shepherd you. And then I started thinking maybe shepherd is not even their name. Maybe that's their 
job. Maybe right. they're just using the last name as their their job. Yeah, and uh, that's that's what I think too. And um, I have a theory that he's Bill Anderson. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, maybe. I have a th- I have a theory that he's the soul trapped in the the little g- the young girl uh, that he's Marcus. That he's uh, Madison. No, she's Madison. The little girl is Madison. Oh, he's Marcus. Marcus is the soul trapped in the girl. <laughs> in Madison, yeah. Well, then my theory's all. Your theory's all shot screwy to hell. now. I don't. No, no, it's no. no. Sh- that, would, that would be. You just have the names wrong. That's all. Maybe. All right. So anyway, so they uh, they shepherd her, and she's puking, and she's going through some sort of reverse exorcism. Yeah. And at first, I wasn't sure whether what they were doing was. I wasn't sure whether what they were doing. Well, I wasn't sure if they were hurting her or helping her, in fact, because maybe there's a need to get this out of her until the next morning she wakes up on the lawn and then she writes a note and promptly uh, kills herself. She writes a note and what we see of the note is in the beginning there was death and she signs it, I am not Donna. Yes. Under underscore not so, are we to believe that, for lack of a better thing to call her, that Donna was the person she was, or that Donna was the soul inside her? I'm assuming that she was Donna, uh, that it was Donna's birthday. That was Donna's body. Right. So the soul is the one that was killing themselves, not being shepherded out right so, okay. so it was not donna killing herself okay it was the soul that was killing the body and the note was addressed to gary fisher who she was right. looking at in the yearbook who i imagine she went to high school with right yes agreed on all those points okay okay so um so this is our first you know death by tub and uh and in the beginning there was death and it, in the end, there was death for Donna, even though it was not Donna. It was handled. I thought that that death was actually handled pretty well because I, I kind of assumed she was going to kill herself when sure. she's getting in the. When, once, it, once you start writing a note, I once anybody starts writing a note, I think you know nobody corresponds. But you know what? The other know? thing is, she was given a bus ticket, also a plane a bus, ticket a, to was Seattle. It a bus to Se- I, that's right. Plane bus. Either way, it was to Seattle. Right, with the with the number with the nine. number nine. So. Part of me was wondering, well, maybe is that where the soul has to travel to next? Yeah, or? Seattle is is like one of the main players here, I feel. Seattle is almost a character in the show. Yeah, I I'm feel. assuming we're going to spend a lot more time uh, uh, in that fine city I, I, that I've I never been to. I assume we will. But, uh, but before we get there, folks, uh, you know, this, this network is completely for you, and we appreciate your support so much. Uh, and the way you can maybe show your support a little bit extra is by commenting on iTunes and on YouTube and the more you comment especially because intruders is a new show so we need to know what you think it's imperative clearly we need to know what you think we we need, because we're confused we're learning these. along with you which is exciting to me and i hope that the people post a lot of comments and stuff because i i really this show in particular i really want to bring them into the discussion i really do too um and but the more you comment on iTunes and YouTube, the longer the lights stay on at AfterBuzz. So it's that's even better. It. Yeah, it we, works in two ways. You we get love involved, and yeah, it's, it's amazing. Yeah, so so thank you. Uh, so so we move on to Seattle. Yes, to present day Seattle. Pre- present day Seattle. Thank you. Um, and 
what turns out to be the Anderson household. Yes. Um, and the James Frayne character pounds on the door. Shepherd. Um, and introduces himself as a special agent Shepherd. Yes. FBI. So this wasn't lost on me, because Shepard, you were saying you're Shepard in and out of, maybe he's the good Shepard, I don't know yet. Um, But nevertheless, he's asking for William Anderson, and is sort of rather aggressive. Yeah. I was kind of surprised she let him in. Right. And maybe they're like vampires that... (laughs) They have to be let in. He played a vampire once. (laughs) So he on True Blood. So there you go. I was not aware of that. There you go. he played an angry magician on Law and Order Criminal Intent. I I need to see that. Episode. It's just a great I episode. need to see yeah. an angry magician episode. But um so anyway, yeah, he kind of he kind of works his way into the house and then immediately you're right, he gets really aggressive. He ends up shooting uh uh the the wife, Anderson's Judy. wife, Judy. Judy Anderson. Um and the son calls and the other thing that wasn't lousy he calls nine one one he says there's an intruder in the house yeah name check the name. T- titular uh, uh <laughs> phrase of the uh yeah. line of the show yeah so so then there uh, there's he kills the wife kills, kills the, son. the son very coldly yeah very cold doesn't give it another thought yeah and then he sets the house on fire more fire more fire birthday candles now this now we sit in the place of place and he went down to the basement and i believe later uh oz the conspiracy theorist guy talks about bill was working on project i think he even referenced is his basement so he went down there particularly to start this fire so i feel like whatever was down there he wanted destroyed no matter what yeah well, is it a cleansing by fire or is it destruction of fire i don't think it's destruction because he clearly doesn't want the work of Bill Anderson to get out there. He clearly needs to stop this at all costs for whatever reason. I mean, at this point, I mean, granted his actions are extremely violent, but maybe there's good reason that this work can't get out there. Maybe. Because maybe it'll just set the earth, the whole universe off of its... I mean, there's a delicate balance between life and death, and maybe we shouldn't be messing with it. Did Let I get the this from true? Did I get this from True Detective that that you're experiencing that <laughs> time is a flat circle? Time is a flat circle, right? But so that you're experiencing your life and death at the same, your birth and your death. At yes, the same, is that from True Detective? I remember the time is a flat circle from True Detective. <laughs> well, the birth and the death makes sense. I that guess, sounds yes. like something from True Detective. All right. Anyway, uh, um, now where is Bill? Is my question this because here we have he clearly knows that there are people out to get him. There's clearly a paranoia about that house, but he leaves his wife and son there. You figure he probably has a, he's got to either, they don't know where he was legitimately, or he's got to have a damn good reason for leaving them because clearly he left them at the mercy of uh, Shepard. Well, but see, here's the thing is that when he says to Judy, the wife, now if he's in there and you know, you know where he is, you're hiding him, whatever it is he says, you'll both be in a bit of trouble. And she lets him in. So he's got to be, what, hiding in the house or something. And there's a reason why she lets him in. He says something sort of threatening to her. And she doesn't want to be in trouble herself. I mean... Once he's in, she says, oh, I have no idea where he is. Are we overthinking it and think that she legitimately thought, like, I have to let FBI in and he's FBI? 
Maybe. I mean, it could be. I mean, it could be as simple as that. But this show, it seems like nothing is going to be that simple in this show. Right. And so, because see, the other thing, I don't mean to skip ahead too much, but Gary Fisher later uh, knocks on the door and says he's FBI. Yeah. I thought that was interesting, too, because it felt like he was just maybe making a joke. Yeah, totally. But... Maybe it stands for full body intruder. <laughs> I like that idea. I like that idea. Okay. Okay. Um, so Bill is somewhere. We don't know where Bill is. We don't know where I mean, Bill is. But the other thing that happens in Seattle is Amy takes her business trip there. But we will, we'll get back to that. Let's really quickly. Let's go to um, to Birch Crossing, Washington, um, which is where Jack and Amy wheel in live. Jack, who seems like he is going to be our hero protagonist of the show. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Um, he wrote a book called Afterlife. Yeah, which was about uh, essays and crime scene photos from his days as a cop. Yes. Yeah. Uh, cop in Los Angeles. I didn't pick up on that. Yeah. Yeah. Later, it's mentioned. Okay. It's LAPD. Um, so he's now retired. Is that the deal? And he's an author now? Well, also, when not to jump too far ahead, when he talks to Gary, his old high school football buddy, um. Gary alludes to an incident because he says something like, uh, Jack says something like, I would have never made detective. He's like, yeah, not after your incident. And he's like, whoa. Like, it's one of those Looking things. Looking into my file, huh? Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things that admittedly it's, like, it's blatant exposition. Like, we just have to get this out there that you know this. And again, clearly as we learn more about Jack, this will come into play, I'm sure. But for some reason, he had to leave the force and I guess he wrote this book and now he's trying to live a quiet life in seattle with amy birch crossing the oh, birch crossing near seattle yeah um but he um immediately you also know there's something off about that their marriage is clearly going through some problems we don't necessarily know what or why but there's a stagnancy to it they, they just seem they don't seem like the happiest couple it seems like he's trying. He's got when, when it's her birthday. He's gonna. He's got that trip to Paris. He wants to plan. It seems like that he feels a need to re-energize something in this marriage. Well, that's that's something else that I I wanted to point out about themes. Maybe in the birthdays, it's like the making of the wish, because Madison sort of stops short of making a wish and blowing out that candle, mm-hmm. which uh, maybe changes the, anyway. Um, so it's yeah it's it's her birthday she hates her birthday uh yeah there's more with the the close up of the candles were you were you about to I mean, you were painting such a picture I, I I apologize for interrupting no that's okay um and then she's dancing by fire again there's fire yes what I was I was gonna say with the birthday what's what's interesting to me because clearly the birthday is a marking point of. Either the soul within these people that's kind of hiding in their bodies or snatching their bodies. Clearly, the birthday is a, a, a an awakening of it in some manner or something. Because we see three birthdays and then we see three incidents where either like the dilated pupils or they have visitors or there's a change in the people after their birthdays. And I, I wonder how much Amy 
knows about what's going on inside of her, and maybe that's one of the reasons why she does not like birthdays. Like, maybe she's awaiting every birthday for some horrible thing to happen to her. Whether she's completely aware or it's just a feeling she has inside of her, I don't know. But clearly that, to me, seems why she doesn't like birthdays. Well, she clearly knows something because, uh, you know, her her fire dances are private. And uh, whether or not she's... Do we think she's exchanging these text messages because Jack ends up finding am I skipping ahead too much? You're skipping ahead, but I, I don't mind. <laughs> but, but I don't mind. Okay. Well what else what else do we have to say about this before we Well, skip you know, ahead you were talking about her her fire dancing to the yeah. jazz music, and that was another thing because he he makes a point like, Oh, you never liked jazz. And right. she seems to really be really into the music. And again, I feel like I'm I'm and maybe I'm saying something obvious and maybe I just have to talk it out because everything's so new. But <laughs> the the Whatever soul is inside her, I'm assuming, is the one who loves jazz music. And it's this is signs we're starting to see it come out. Right. I mean, like I said, it, it's probably obvious, but... But there it is. There it is. Okay, so he sends her off the next morning, and she's like, don't call the office. I'm playing my jazz music all the way to Seattle. Yeah. She's play- Okay, I have a question, actually, about this. She was going... She says not to call the office... But she wasn't going to – she was going on a business trip. That was the thing because that, I guess, wasn't clear to me. Well, it had to be a trip because she's staying at a hotel. But I guess that wasn't clear to me too. Like she's been gone two days. She leaves and she's gone two days. And then he's like, I know where she is. And then he tries calling the hotel. And I wasn't sure whether he knew she was going there for a business trip or there's some other reason he knew she would be there. Because when she left that day, it just seemed like she was going to work. Like, don't call the office. And then it's – they never specifically said she was on a business trip. So I, I guess I was a little lost on that aspect. Well, maybe. And now I'm just speculating here. But that that's what we do here. Uh, that's maybe, why we have the show. Exactly. That maybe because Seattle is close and far enough, she does a lot of telecommuting. And then sometimes she'll just go into the city for a few days at a time. Oh, okay. Why not? That makes sense. Yeah. That works for me. <laughs> okay, great. Um, uh, okay, so her birthday, next day she goes off. Okay. And uh, and she's like, so to me, I, I'm thinking that she's having an affair. That was my Oh, that was part. your first thing. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, with a jazz musician. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, that's my every that's, time. That's always that's, my first thought. You that's know? why she's. Uh, that's why she's, she's into falling the jazz in love thing. with a jazz musician. Yeah, They're stealing all our women. Those jazz musicians, <laughs> like a plague. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> oh look at that! There we go. See, look, well they're done. coming right now. Well placed. I don't know um, how you're gonna. I don't know how you're gonna control yourself. I yeah, <laughs> I know. I was gonna say. I'm sorry. It's a warm sensation in my heart. Um, so. So he's just finding it strange he's not hearing from her. He's been calling her. What's going on? And before that, he has then – that's when Gary does visit. He visits like shortly after she leaves. Gary Fisher. Gary Fisher. Who saw him at the bookstore and said nothing. Yeah. Well, it seemed like they were both like kind of tailing each other in a weird way. Like he's – because Jack saw Gary – Gary obviously must have seen Jack. Because otherwise he wouldn't just be standing at that bookstore looking at his own book. Well, I would, it... I would stare at my own book in a window. Yeah, but he might have gone inside to uh, whatever. I don't know. But but Gary's inside yeah. of that store. 
So yeah. it's not a coincidence that he's just like hanging out out there. He could have been with Amy. He could have a lot of things. But there's a reason Gary needs to talk to Jack without Amy there. Right. He doesn't want her there. Gary clearly has been investigating something. Probably since the death of Donna, I'd imagine, or not Donna. But this is uh, not Donna. But this makes me think that because he introduces himself as FBI and because he says it's not safe to talk at the house and because he wants Amy gone, this makes me think that he may be an intruder himself or that he may be one of the shepherds himself. Or maybe he's one of the shepherds, but not a sh- like it. Like, maybe like a he's shepherd a double, in training. Well, like a double agent, maybe. maybe. Maybe he became a shepherd to find out the truth about what happened to Donna, not Donna. Yeah. You know? In the beginning, there was death. And now he, there's Gary Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That's the, that'll be the new uh, <laughs> slogan for the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, it's in the Bible. Look for it, guys. Uh, yeah. So. Yeah, they go out to the woods. They have that big conversation. And. Also, just because there's places seem to mean something. Um, the last he, the last Jack knew of him, he was in Evanston, Illinois. So, I, I'm assuming we need a map for the show. I'm assuming they haven't even, yeah, they haven't seen each other in forever. And now he wants Jack clearly to investigate this case of of uh, Bill Anderson's family's death. He's he's coming to him about this, so clearly whatever he needs to find out can't be found out by normal police means. He needs somebody who's who's not on the case to be on the case. Right. So. So the other person investigating Billy Anderson's death is uh, Professor Purdue. Yes. Over in Reno. Yes. Uh, and he he has a a creepy little podcast that he does from his uh, trailer. Is it a yeah. trailer? He, he seems a van? to be. He seems to be in a. Tra- uh, he he seems to have a like a like a mobile like home kind of unit, and then he's also got his trailer because he seems to be somewhere like under a bridge at the beginning broadcasting, and then later he goes home to a trailer. He just like, but I think he likes to move around. He seems a little yeah. paranoid. He's again very much uh, in an X file spirit of like the lone gunman from the X. I mean, he's the typical conspiracy theory nut who's probably right. Because this is a show by Glenn Morgan. <laughs> so, but his, uh, his, his sort of sign off line is fear no one, be loud. Yes. Get, get the word out there. But does be loud have to do with the, the organ sort of? I don't think so. I think it's just kind of a, you know, if you know what's going on, if you know the truth, like they might not listen to you, but don't fear them. Just get your message out there. That's the way I took it. What? Okay. I'm sorry. I'm uh, I'm just organizing my notes here, folks. Um, well, Shepard ends up finding him. Yes. He finds him over the radio first. Which freaks him out because yeah. he, uh, he thinks, what, what is it that he did to scramble his radio signal? That he was doing it through a cell phone or something? Something like that. Some tech jargon that i just have no idea about uh and not only does does shepherd contact him but he knows his real name and that double freaks him out yeah so he asks to meet he's like we need to talk shepherd's like we need to talk and professor purdue aka Oz oz turner is like no we don't it's like we do it's about bill anderson so does he say it's about bill anderson then or he's he like 
about them. In either case... I, I thought he said Anderson, but yeah. They get to meet... And it's like, what do you know? And it's a very one-sided conversation. Oz does most of the talking. And how does he do most of the talking? I feel like Shepard has, like, maybe he has hypnosis of the eyes or voice or something. Maybe he does through his vocal cords. That he gets people to open doors and just, like, tell them everything. Because a lot of people, because, again, later in the episode, Oz knows he shouldn't open that door and let Shepard in. He knows it in his gut. But his his whole... His whole thing is fear no one and be That's loud. True. And he also has like a double barrel shotgun. That he thinks he's going to be yeah. able to control. <laughs> but this is where uh, uh, we get to know that Oz has met Bill Anderson in Seattle. Yes. Um, and if we could only hear these lower frequencies, we could learn to never die. Yeah, this is where we learn about the, the, the work, I guess, the, uh, um, the uh, uh, what is his job again, a acoustic uh engineering skills has taught him that there are these low there are these sounds that have come out so low from organs and cathedrals in europe and if we could hear them like what are they saying to us if we if humans could hear it and the answer is how not to die do you have any seems, thoughts on this? Well, I mean, clearly it's a secret that Shepard is trying to keep. Whether he even knows... Again, I'm not sure whether it's that he knows the secret of not how to die or he's just trying to keep the universe in some sort of balance. Like, Does he seem like a good guy or a bad guy to you? Just, just straight up. He seems like a bad guy because he's going around <laughs> killing people. But, you know, shows have a way of turning characters you think are bad to turn out to actually be good. I think he's a good guy. Okay. I think he's a good guy uh, because because of uh, a scene with Madison slash Marcus, well, which we'll, we'll get into get in a later. second. I have a lot but, to say about that one. Okay. Um, so we'll get to that. So uh, anyway, he ends up killing Oz and... Uh, and that's the end of yeah, that chapter. I guess I guess Oz should have been a little more scared of them. Yes. <laughs> it but, did not work out too well for him. But you know what did work out for him is, you know, he spent his life as a conspiracy theorist and he, he dedicated a whole podcast like, folks, uh, you should know. So he, he got to at least know that he was right. Now, these these signals, these low signals that have these answers, do they only – I mean, do you think they're going to be something that can only come from these – these cathedral pipes, or are they somewhere else out there floating other sounds, sound waves that are out there somewhere in the world? Oh, they have to be other sound okay. waves. They absolutely have to be other sound waves. Now, beyond that, I have no idea. It makes very little sense to me how if we could just, like, hear lower frequencies, that equals, you know, living forever. Or at least knowing the secret. I gotta hear these, uh, I gotta hear these sound waves. Yeah. The, I gotta get my hearing checked in general. But, um, <laughs> the, the, um, these sound waves because uh, I also wondered if it is something just from Cathedral what the religious implications of the show might end up being at some point does the does the church know the answer to immortality or is it just this cult of people and yeah what it's associ- Jesus isn't it and, well I guess well <laughs> the immortality here on earth I guess or yeah. whatever but uh, or if if it's this this sect if it has anything to do with any major religion if it has anything to do with that or if it's just this weird cult of people i mean these are all things that we'll find out as the series goes on or not who knows we'll see time will tell um Um, oh did you have more to say about the uh i don't i was i was gonna say you would i I was dying to hear because i i semi cut you off when we were talking about the text messages earlier right so yeah so meanwhile you know 
Uh, Jack is, is looking for Amy. He, somebody calls to say that he, uh, a cabbie calls to say that he has found a phone. It, it's Amy's phone. Um, drop it off at the hotel, picks it up at the hotel. Um, and he calls her office. Yeah. Um, and asks to speak to Amy and they say, Oh, I'm sorry. Mr. Crane is in a meeting. He's like, well, that's great, but I'd like to speak to Amy Whelan. And they're like, I'm sorry. Yeah. Mr. Crane isn't available. Yeah. Uh, very strange. Really, really weird. Because even if, let's say there was a soul in her that was Mr. Crane, <laughs> let's just say that. I don't think that's the case at all. But let's just say that. The people at the office know it's Amy, a woman, not Mr. Crane. So, like, I... I... But but the name of the company was, like, something Crane and something. Yes. So, maybe... She has another life. I don't know. There's another interesting thing that happened before that. Um, I think it happened right after he got the call from uh, the cab driver. He checked her computer. And, and her whole calendar. After her birthday, there was nothing. So tons of things scheduled up until her birthday after this. So she knew she was leaving. She knew, she knew something was going to happen. She knew whatever soul was in charge at that point knew... She was going out of town. And then her computer stops working. So yeah, she's, very mysteriously. Yeah, faulty electronics uh, in Amy Whelan's life. So so uh, he's going through the phone, and there are these bizarre texts. Um, you know, uh, time is of the essence. Uh, it, it must wait. Until uh, we mu- yeah, we must wait until he's dead, it says. Right. Um, and we can wait no longer. Uh, or this can't wait any yeah. longer. And they're all from unknown numbers. Um and when the phone starts working and he calls only to hear jazz music. Yeah. Yeah. Very strange. Very strange. And uh right, that phone stopped working too. Yeah. Faulty electronics. The souls are able to I'm very hung up on these souls are doing lots of crazy things. And I feel they have to be the thing, whatever it is out there that's moving from host to host or body to body has to be the thing that's also able to shut down a computer, shut down a phone. Yeah. I feel like there's a there's a battle going on. There's like I feel like there's some <laughs> war going on and possibly between if Shepard's a good guy, Shepard and these souls out there. Maybe it's just the low, low frequencies that are shutting off the electron. Because you know sometimes you're like trying to leave a, a voicemail for somebody and you're just talking and then It'll just say, like, message erased. Yeah. Yeah. Just start again. I hate that. It's the worst. So maybe it's a low frequency. Maybe that's all it is. Maybe it's all. Every time, every time my phone craps out and my computer craps out, I'm, I'm going to assume that my soul's done for. Yeah. I'm like, this I'm is it. going to start panicking. <laughs> this is it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, he's there are all these weird text messages. Do you think they are coming from anyone we've met yet? Do you think they're possibly coming from any communication with someone like Shepard or 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 do you think it's probably just a player we're going to see down the line? Maybe even maybe even a Bill Anderson. Who I knows? Th- I think it is possible. I think it has to be somebody like uh like a Shepard um and maybe one of the Shepherds we've met and um and and that's it. I can't speculate too too far into that one. Um, but let's, let's head over into Finley, Oregon. Which, this was, I think, my favorite stuff in the show. <laughs> Shooting children in the face is like what Will Link is <laughs> well, into. I, th- I know this. It's true. Real yeah, I have a friend long, Will Link. I have a long history of talking about that constantly. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
what uh well, one of the reasons I liked it, I thought the girl, and I'm still making sure I learn all these character names, uh Millie Brown, who played Madison, I thought she was really good, actually. Yes, I, I thought agree. she was a really good child actress. It's some really because she was like she was really good at turning it on from like precocious and adorable to crazy and terrifying. Uh, with like in a snap, so I, I I think that's why this was some of my favorite stuff in the episode. Also, it was some of the. I think it also raised a lot of questions that interest me. Um. Well, it's her ninth birthday, the nine. number nine, a number nine candle. So we have a lot of things coming together here. We have the number nine. We have fire. We have birthday. All in all in one with Madison. So. Yeah. So I I found that interesting. Um, so, but she does not make a wish and blow out the candle. She she runs out the door. She runs out the door. Clearly, she's comes from a, for lack of a better word, I guess, broken home. Like there's something <laughs> wrong with the relationship with her mother and father, and right. her relationship with her father. Right. So she goes out onto the beach, and there's Shepherd holding up a sand dollar. Yeah. And when she sees it, she whispers, she like looks away and she whispers, no, no. So she knows already. So there's already. Does she know or does whatever's inside her know? And it's just like an instinct. Oh, it's whatever's inside. Is there, is there a difference? This is where it's going to get tricky to talk about the show, I think, because like, are we referring like. (laughs) I need there to be a difference because I have instincts about bad things happening in the world and I can't start questioning like that there are other souls inside of me. (laughs) That's what it's been all along on. Every bad thing that's happened, it's just another soul going on inside of you. Right. Yeah. I can't. (laughs) It's got to be instinct. I don't, I'm not sure. Um, So he, yeah, the sand dollar. Sand dollar. Um, which he doesn't give her. He leaves, he leaves it for it. her. Right. And she becomes very preoccupied with that sand dollar. And the sand dollar is in the opening credits. Yeah. So the sand dollar is important somehow. What do, what do we know about sand dollars? Anything? I should have done a Wikipedia search of sand dollars before coming on here. I didn't think of it, but actually that's a great idea. I, I, I know nothing of sand dollars other than I've you, seen them on the When you like open them, there's like the little uh, sort of butterfly looking things is that there's something inside of them that that are also beautiful um so maybe that's something inside yeah the beautiful soul inside although i don't know if the soul inside of her is very beautiful but i am not sure about that (laughs) either um but anyway so so we have we also have like a scene where madison's mom is lighting a cigarette and then madison is upstairs sort of like having that struggle sleep um yeah so, so I don't know if maybe they're just using fire to like show that uh, something's about to happen, or they're just using it to switch between scenes. Or, I don't know, but uh, but it shows up a lot. Um, anyway, uh, she sees Shepard again on the beach, and he gives her a number nine card, one of the nine cards, yeah. and he says, uh, nine years goes fast, eh, Marcus?" Uh, yeah. Okay. That's why. Yeah. And then goes to shoot her. And she's like, I'm just a kid. I'm not Mar- I'm Madison. I don't know who Marcus is. And starts crying for her mom. Now, he is about to shoot her, and then he hesitates and doesn't. Now, do you think he's having difficulty with the idea of killing a child? Or do you think it has something to do with the, his relationship with Marcus, the soul inside of him? I, so here's why 
this is what I was going to say earlier, why I think Shepard's a good guy. I 100% think Marcus is already in this little girl. Yes. Um, and I think Marcus is a bad guy. And Shepard's, you know, going to kill him or like on a mission or was sent to kill him, whatever. But he's having trouble shooting a little girl. And and I think Marcus knows this about him. And so he's like, I'm just a little kid. I'm just mommy, mommy. You know, so I think he's sort of playing in that. And that's when um, Shepard hesitates and, and doesn't end up shooting her. So is Marcus in control of her the whole time? I think it gets activated every nine years. I don't know. Well, it, okay. So the idea of these people, uh, and, and this isn't blatant in this. This is more just from my description of, of knowledge of the show, like finding out what it's about is that they're searching for immortality by moving their souls in between bodies or, or moving within bodies. So is that just, is maybe all you get is nine years? Is that what the nine is all about? You get nine years in each host or life or body and he happened to have lived nine years as a little girl and now his time is up. Because later she does says, uh, uh, it was brought back too early. Yeah, you brought me back too soon. And is that... So, which also makes me feel like Marcus wasn't aware of what was happening for the nine years. It has to be activated at some point because it's brought back. Right, because at some point after her, her the, she's having these uh, dreams, sort of like flashbacks maybe of murdering somebody, it looks strangling somebody. Yes. Okay, so. Or being strangled? It looked like it was the POV of, okay. of uh, strangling. Um, so... So after all of that um, is happening, it looks like you know she it looks like she's checking out her body for the first time. Like, hmm, can we work with this? Yeah, you know, hmm, hmm, and decides perhaps that he can, she can. Sets up a bath. Yeah, and I think oh, ominous. Man. Oh man, is this is this little girl gonna slit her wrist? Oh, uh, that's entertainment, people. <laughs> um, and she starts writing a note. But what was interesting, you know, she ends up killing a, ca- a cat who has nine lives. Loopy, Loopy, Loopy was the cat's name. And see, this is why I get confused with the Madison Marcus, who's in control, because when Loopy the cat shows up. It's very, like, it felt very genuine little girl, happy to see her cat, playful, and then it just, like, something snaps, and she drowns that cat. Well, now I wonder, is there, was there a potential to send some soul into that cat, send perhaps Madison's soul into that cat so she could drown, so he could drown Madison and Marcus can take over? Is that what happened? No, because then there's this real regret of what happened afterwards. Right. What have I done? What have I done? So you're saying it was a failed attempt at something? No, no, no. That that Marcus is now completely in Madison's body. But then why would Marcus be so upset about the dead cat? Wouldn't Madison be the one who's upset about the dead cat? Did did it say, um, oh, I killed Loopy? Or was it just like, what have I done? What have I done? regret about killing something because maybe it was like pushing the soul into the cat and not and now like madison's soul is in the cat and then he killed matt do you understand what i'm saying i understand what you're saying (laughs) i I actually do you're saying that uh marcus (laughs) 
has Marcus is having regret about what it did to maybe Madison's soul, pushing it into the cat. And then killing her. I also realize this is going to be, and people are going to have to bear with, this is going to be a very complicated show of how we talk about the characters. Because it's one of those shows where it seems like everybody has multiple name things going yeah, on here. Yeah, they have here, like two or, or more souls in their bodies. So maybe if you also out there know a good way of maybe we could break this down and talk about it. That would be uh, super helpful. Open for suggestions. Yeah. Because right now I'm calling a character Donna, not Donna. <laughs> and I don't – and that that's that seems a little odd yeah, to me. Yeah, it just seems not um, okay. Um, but – Okay. So I – no, that's, that's possible. But see, I think there's a struggle for the soul. I think there's – or for Madison's body. That's what yeah. I think it is. Well, but she also seemed to strangle the cat the same way – the that the guy in the dream was being strangled. Well, clearly, Marcus is a bad dude, right? Right. And clearly, Shepard should have killed this little girl. Obviously. Okay. So now that started this. That that was the biggest scene that made me think that maybe he's not a bad guy. I mean, it's hard to not think of a character as a bad guy who goes in and kills someone's teenage son for really no reason at the beginning of... of uh, it's hard not to think of that person as a bad guy. But the scene with the little girl made me feel like there's a worse person inside that little girl, and that person's got to go. Well, and maybe Bill Anderson has, like, done something to his family so that, like, there are already bad souls, and then maybe Shepard's... I don't know. I don't... You guys, I don't know. Um, But then you had the... And it's right... It, at the end with the little girl, the line that we had seen in a lot of the commercials while we were watching Orphan Black, we would always see these commercials, and it's the the scary, badass little girl calls um, calls Shepard and tells him, what goes around comes around. It sure does. What does that mean? I... (laughs) He's, Marcus, Madison, Madison Marcus isn't happy but it's just and about, is, I, I think, going after Shepard. But it's about being brought back too soon also. So, uh, but don't they want immortality? So why would that be an issue? The problem fundamentally is we don't understand anything yet. <laughs> that is the problem. That's the problem fundamentally. That's why I said. It's like you said, it's an episode that has a lot of uh, unloading, a lot of... Uh, it's 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 like an ultimate setup episode. Yeah, I heard someone else. I'm not going to take credit, but someone else compared it to the cold opening of a TV show. But the whole episode was a cold yeah. opening, and it yeah, really does me. feel that way. And I I saw in an interview, Mira Sorvino was saying in the second episode things are going to get less oblique, and and but I don't know if I necessarily believe her. <laughs> By the way, the second episode is already available online. So oh, if you don't want to wait till Saturday, I know I'm not going to wait till next Saturday. Uh, go, you could go check it out there. I think it's on their website on BBC America. I saw it, uh, it was a pop up on the show last night said that, and then I saw them tweet about that this morning. Very cool. Well, Will, for a show that you don't understand, do you have any predictions about what might happen? And now, you're after Buzz TV. Well, <laughs> well, there. Let me tell you what. Uh, not really. Um, <laughs> I know not to mess with this little girl. I wouldn't mess with her. And in the previews for next week, it seems like some TSA agent or somebody's messing with her, and she is not pleased. She's gonna it doesn't seem good. Um, I actually had a couple more observations though that maybe maybe we can extrapolate some predictions. So first of all, Shepard doesn't age. 
He looks the exact same age. So what does that mean? I don't know. But I think, I mean, has he is the people who do this job, this shepherding job, is there something else about them that's yeah, not human? Well, immortality would imply that, no? Yeah, but I mean, Robert Forster in the beginnings looking old like Robert Forster. Yeah, but maybe he found it at a certain time. Uh, that's true. That's true. That's and true. maybe he's been doing it for a hundred years. But I years. thought immortality was only about these souls jumping around. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, I thought I that. It's almost guys. like, you know, Ugh. it's almost like being John Malkovich. How you got to get into Malkovich's head. And that's how they kept going up. Malkovich was the next vessel to go into. It's actually, it's very similar to being John Malkovich. Except there are many vessels. What are your other observations? Um, well, I, I'm just the thing that I'm hoping we start to get some some a- answers about is uh, how the possession or body jumping, the mechanics of that. I mean, I doubt we'll get it in the next episode, but that's the thing at this point I am most curious about. I want to know the mechanics of soul jumping to uh, body. And moving from body to body. And I also wonder who does Shepherd or the Shepherds answer to? There has to be somebody. There's got to be a home office. There's got to be. So who are they answering to? Um, I don't think we're going to get any of those answers in the next episode. Uh, but I'm sure in the next eight weeks we will get some of them. Well, I am, I'm excited for the next eight weeks, certainly. Um, do you have some predictions? I really don't have any predictions. I have no idea. I think I've sort of given out everything that I have, which is I think that um, I think that Shepard's a good guy. I think that uh, Robert Forster's uh, uh, Bill Anderson. Um, I I think that I mean I just I think I've just spilled everything that I have during the, the episode. So the um, uh, it's also it's it's to note that this is based on a book. This right. Show. Uh, I have. Not read the book. I assume you have not read the book. I haven't. Um, I'm sure there are some people out there who have read the book and are probably like, oh, those two. Like, uh, they don't even know. And it's right. We don't. We don't. We have no idea. Um, we but, watch TV. Well, we're, we're, <laughs> I guess it's important to say, obviously, we're taking the show from perspective of people who have not read this book. But what I've read that basically this season is going to be the book and then the plan is to go crazy beyond it. So. Awesome. So there you go. There you go. Will, where can where can the people find you? You can follow me on Twitter at the Real Will Link, and also I host a podcast for the Westcast Network called Will Sean Podcast. We discuss uh, uh, pop culture in a comedic way, and uh, you can find that on iTunes. Fantastic. Um, and you can follow me at Copple for Mayor K O P P E L F O R M A Y O R. You can find me here in a couple of hours hosting Ray Donovan. And you can find both of us here next week at 5 o'clock Pacific Standard Time. With another host, right? With another host. Bobby DeMiro will be here. Yay, Bobby. I'm looking forward to working with him. Yeah, we have, you know, I've worked with him before. I know. Yeah. All right. We'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us. From executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff, we would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV Network. To watch or listen to other after shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Buzz, Buzz you later. later. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.